Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Well, good morning. Welcome to everyone, especially those of you in Bury, in Suffolk there, in Colchester, in Essex, to everyone who's watching online and to the prisons as well all across the UK. Thank you to the prisons for sending the letters that you're sending in. We love to receive them. And of course, welcome to everyone here in the room at Cambridge. Good to be here. As Sarah said, we are in this second week of a four-week series called Things Jesus Never Said. Now, there are lots of sayings that we use which we, or people think are often in the Bible, but the reality is they're not. Some examples, you ever heard anyone say this? Neither a borrower nor a lender be. Sounds very proverbial, doesn't it? Try Shakespeare in Hamlet. Pride comes before a fall. Well, the Bible does say this, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, but not exactly that. What about the seven deadly sins? We've all heard of them. Well, there are 10 commandments, there were four gospels, and there are 12 apostles, but try Pope Gregory for the seven deadly sins. What about this one? The lion will lie down with the lamb. Maybe. But in the Bible, Isaiah 11, it's the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Oh, well, love is blind, as the Bible says. No, it doesn't. The closest we've got to that is love is kind. Amen? (laughs) So what we're doing is in this series, we're looking at some of the things that are read in your Bible. Although we've called it things Jesus didn't say, we're going to look at what he actually did say because we're going to look at some things he didn't say in order to emphasize the things that he did say. Because by looking at the things that he didn't say, it can help to us for us to better understand and emphasize the things that he did say. Because Jesus never wasted words. Did I hear an amen? amen. He never wasted words. So when he, what he didn't say will help us to understand what he did say. And today, we're going to look at these really important subjects. Today, this is going to set some of you free. It's about the power of forgiveness. Let me introduce it uh, this way. How many of you know somebody, and I need you all in the room and online and across the locations, I need you all to participate. It's not the same without you. How many of you know somebody who's really, really annoying on Facebook or Instagram? And what's really annoying is you can't help but follow them. Keep, keep your hands up. You find them really annoying. If you haven't got your hand up, it could be you. (laughs) Jesus didn't say this, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they post. (laughs) He didn't say that to your annoying Facebook friends. He didn't say this, three strikes and you're out. I've been known to say once is silly, twice is stupid, three times is unforgivable. It's not. But I, ha- I know I have said that. Please forgive me. I've said it at least three times. Jesus never said, sorry, you sinned too much for me to forgive you. I can forgive everybody else, Jesus said, but you, you really get on my nerves. I can't forgive you. How many of you are grateful for the grace of God that's forgiven us? 
Wonderful. I think we just need to lift two, two hands and worship. We're forgiven. But forgiveness can often be misunderstood, misapplied, and misused in our culture. You may know what you think forgiveness or unforgiveness is about, but here's some statements that have been said to me over the years that reveal we don't really understand forgiveness. Listen to this one. This has been said to me. A person should not be forgiven until they ask for it. Oh, no. That's given much too much power to the offender. Someone said this to me once. Forgiving minimizes the offense and the pain caused. No, my friends. It's not meant to do that. I think not. Forgiveness should not minimize what's been done to you. Someone said this, forgiveness means then I've got to be restored in my trust and reunited in relationship with the person, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe not, quite often not. It's best that you don't. You can still forgive them without restoring the trust and reuniting the relationship. What about this one? You haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offense. Well, I'm sorry. You may be good, but you're not that good. There's only one person who's ever had the ability to remember no more, and that's God himself. It's a power, a superpower, because he's a super God of what he can do. He remembers our sins no more. Hip, hip. But I've had some offences done to me, and if I, rem- I, I try to forget them, but I can't. And I've never met anyone who can. No one can truly forget but God. So when we read the Bible and learn what God has to say about forgiveness, we discover that those statements that I've just said that have all been said to me are false. So we're looking at today, you don't need to forgive them. You don't, Jesus never said, you don't need to forgive them. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 6, which is a beautiful passage where Jesus teaches his disciples and thus us, because we're disciples. Disciple means learner. The moment you stop learning is the moment you stop being a disciple, so never stop. So we're learners of Jesus. And he's teaching his disciples how to pray in requests that they have said. They see others pray, teach us to pray. And this is what he says. This is Matthew chapter 6. You know it well. I'm going to read from verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or sins as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the end of the prayer. Then there's this PS that Jesus brings going back to one of the lines that he's spoken about forgiveness where he amplifies, where he talks further about the issue of sin and forgiveness. Verse 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins... Your Father, your Father, 
will not forgive your sins. Wow. They're sobering words, aren't they? If you don't forgive others, and when it says men there, it means men and women. You do note that. There's no kind of escape clause. Men and women, people, humanity. If you don't forgive them, according to the words of Jesus, your Father will not forgive you. Oof. I've never told this story in public before. And I was sitting there today wondering, should I tell this story? Should I just hold it back? And then Katie's standing next to me in the worship and she came and prophesied over me. God says, don't hold back. So it's her fault. <laughs> That's not the way prophecy works. I could ignore it or I could receive it, but I'm not going to hold back. I was in a very close working relationship with someone in this church. And they were a great help to me. We're talking nearly two decades ago. They were a great help. They helped me in my weak areas. They brought strength where we needed strength. As a church, they were very good at systems and processes and organization. And let me just say this, every church has different emphases and there's certain ones we need to keep in tension. So for example, a church must have a cause for which we live. You know, that, the language is kind of army and battle and taking the hill and making disciples. You know, we must live for a cause. No cause, no energy. But we're also a community. And our language should be family and forgiveness and care and love. Hip, hip. But as soon as you get community, this is the same in your family. And the bigger the family gets, it's, it's true. You have to have, let's use the word to keep it with the C's alliteration, corporation. You have to have organization. You have to have structures. Even if it's a queue, you know, I'm getting in the shower first tomorrow. If you're home, you, you just, you, gotta, you have to organize stuff. And if you're coming out for school, it's a military operation, getting the kids out. So we have to have cause as a church. We have to have community as a church. And we have to have corporation. We're a, we are a business and we are a charity that has certain things we need to do right. And this person really helped us in that corporation side. It was really good for us. Because really, you'll only rise and fall to the level of your systems. So he got systems in place. And I'm grateful, because I just want to hug everyone. Well, sometimes I want to hit people, but mostly I, I, want, to, I want to hug them. So it was a help. But the structures... These are my words now. We're meant to be the skeleton that supports everything, not the thing you see and you feel. It's meant to be in the background because we're a family, a body. If I hug you and all I feel is boned, I think, oh, something doesn't feel warm. Doesn't, something needs to, to happen here. The skeleton's really important. The skeleton gets broken, but the skeleton supports the weight of the body. What happened to us was everyone started to see the systems 
And when they're coming into the church, they're hitting up against the systems and the structures and the processes. And you've got to tick every box and dot every T and cross it. No, dot every, we told you wasn't good at it. Dot every I and cross every T, you know. And you, it felt, oh, this is just too corporate. Now, if you're a corporation, that's okay. All right, that's fine. I'm not knocking business and corporation. That's what you are. But we are not primarily that. We're a body. We're a family. And so I had to make some adjustments. This is the point of the story. And I had to say, you know what? You can't be the face with the place. You can't be up front. We've got to soften and use different language because we're a church, we're a family, and everyone's feeling processed. And we're not sausages, all right? We're not all made out of ticky-tacky. We don't all look just the same. Hip, hip, hooray again. So we're different. So we have, to, we have to allow for that somehow, as well as having all the processes. Well, it didn't go down well. And this person who I am still to this day grateful for, something flipped inside them. And we had radio silence for a, a while, and then I eventually was able to get in touch. And some accusations started to fly, and I thought, woof. I'd only adjusted his role. I'd only asked him to step back a little bit. I'd only said, we don't need you in the forefront. We need you in the background. I wouldn't say we didn't need you. And he started to make some of these accusations about me. And I listened, and they included things like this. You're so controlling. And I thought, I'm, I'm sure that's you that's controlling. And he said, you don't listen to everyone, and I, to anyone. And I, I said, I, I'm sure it was people have come to me complaining because they don't feel heard by you. It's your way or the highway, he said to me. Well, I said, I thought it was your way or the highway. And he said, you said that and you said this. And I said, I thought it was you that said that and said this. And then he said, you lied. And I'm thinking, something's gone wrong here. And the more he said it, and the force with which he said it, I started to crumple on the inside. I thought, is that true of me? Now, I've now discovered, I didn't know this 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was. I've now discovered there's a phrase for that in abusive relationships called gaslighting. Never heard of it before. Where you put onto the other person things that are actually true of you, and if you say it often enough, and if you say it with enough force, and if you fabricate even letters that you think I've never seen, you think, oh, it must be true, that's me. And every morning for a season of about two weeks, I'd wake up every morning, and I'd run to the toilet, and I'd be sick in the toilet. I couldn't work this out. I felt dirty. I felt... I felt I felt guilty. I was sick in the bone. I won't go into details. One day I went out for a walk. I thought, I'm going to ring Chris Webster. Some of you know Chris Webster, some of you don't. And I rang Chris Webster and Chris Webster wasn't there. So I spoke to his wife, a lady called Anne Webster. Some of you know Anne. And if you, if you want a bit of common sense, everyday wisdom, talk to Anne Webster. Yeah. And if you want a good cake. <laughs> All right? 
So I don't think Anne's in the room, is she? I, so I, Chris wasn't in, so I spoke to, to Anne. And I was, I was crying. And she just spoke some common sense truth to me. She said, you know that's not true of you. And then she, then she said this, which really got me. <laughs> Thank you. She said, your mum and dad, oh, she, she knew, if she mentioned my mum and dad and I'd be a basket case. She said, your mum and dad didn't bring you up to be like that. That's not true of you. That's true of them, but it's not true of you. And I found where my weakness had gone, the truth was setting me free. And so I started to feel some strength, and I thought, yeah, you're, you're right, and thank you, thank you. She said, I'll send you a cake. I'll oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> it's going to cure everything. There's something special in her cakes. And I found strength to stand. And I looked inside, and I said, it's not true. I do not believe those things you're saying about me. You're projecting them on me. And so this is what happened. Cut a long story short. We parted ways, but it wasn't pretty. We parted ways. And here's the problem that I had. So I'm left. I'm feeling all right. But I struggle to forgive him. Here's my public confession. I struggle to forgive how dare he and I really couldn't find it in my heart to forgive so I started to pray a prayer which I do recommend to you I said Father I forgive him help me with my unforgiveness that's a good prayer it doesn't say that in the Bible it's another saying that's not there it's someone who says Lord I believe help me with my unbelief but I turned it round about forgiveness Lord I forgive him but help me with my unforgiveness and weeks months went by and I'm walking through Lion Yard and I've got my mum at that time who was still alive in a wheelchair. So me and my wife walking along, mum in a wheelchair, going along like this. And there in front of me is this man. And I realised at that moment I had not forgiven him because I had a thought that went through my mind. And the thought was, I want to run him over with my mum's wheel in the wheelchair. <laughs> That was a thought. I nearly said to my mum, can you put your feet out, mum? And let's go get him. And I knew I haven't forgiven him. And I knew the unforgiveness was going to damage me, not him. So this is what I started to do. I went home and I said, Lord, I forgive him. Help me with my unforgiveness. And I sensed the Holy Spirit say something to me. Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, now pray for his blessing. Now pray for his blessing. And I said, nah. <laughs> nah. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. Pray for his blessing. I said, okay. Lord, I pray for that man's blessing, but please don't bless him like this. And please don't bless him like that. I've got some suggestions for you of how you might bless him. And you do know, Lord, that discipline is a sign that you love us. So bless him with discipline. Bless him with discipline. 
<laughs> and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you have not forgiven from your heart. Pray blessing on him. Pray blessing on him. And I started to pray blessing on him. And it didn't feel real to begin with. But after a few months of praying that regularly and consistently, I felt something in my heart soften. And I realized as time went on, and I'm not, forgive, forgive me if I'm setting myself as the hero here, I'm not, because it took a long time. I realized that eventually I'd forgiven him. And I wanted blessing on him. And when I heard some reports that he was sick, I didn't feel, oh, that's good. I thought, oh no, Lord, heal him. Heal him in Jesus' name. I've only ever seen him once more and I didn't have my mum with me. And I know this, I didn't want to harm him. Because something had changed in my heart. And praying for others in that way may not change them, but I'll guarantee you it will change you. And that's the whole point. It may not change them. That's not your, that's up to God, but it will change you as you pray for them. Now, I don't know, my time has gone. I don't know what pain you've been through. And please do not hear what I am saying by way of the need to forgive others is minimizing whatsoever what you've gone through. I am so sorry that leaders in churches have abused and manipulated. I cannot understand the pain that someone must feel and the disappointment. The pain is real. I have never been cheated on by my spouse. I cannot imagine the pain. It's real. You may have had a debt that someone has not paid back. I'm sorry, the pain is real. So please don't hear what I'm saying in having to say, Jesus told us to forgive, so we must forgive. That doesn't mean that there's no pain in your heart from the offense that's been done to you. It's real. It's real. Things have been done to you that are grossly unfair. This series that we've done, we got from Craig Rochelle. Obviously, we've just adapted it. But he tells a story of his sister. And he says this. He says, my sister Lisa is courageously open about something that happened to her when she was younger. She's part of our church and is a great mum to her kids and wife to her husband and such. But when she was in sixth grade, there was a respected leader in the community, her sixth grade teacher that everyone knew and loved. And unbeknownst to us, he was not only grooming her, but he was grooming us. You could even say he was grooming the community. And this was before we really even called it grooming because we just weren't aware in the same way that we are nowadays. And what this man, let's call him Max, not his real name, but what this man did, not only to my sister, but to scores of little girls throughout the years, is so horrific that I would never say what he did out loud. How do you forgive someone 
to do something like that that is so, quotes, unforgivable. I'll tell you this. Forgiveness is not natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. And you, if you're a child of God, can do it by the grace of God working in you. Because you are not natural. You're not just a mere human being. You are a child of the Most High God. And the clue even to us forgiving is in that first phrase that's used when Jesus says, our Father. This is God's children. This is addressing us. We're not putting this on other people. We're putting this on us. We are children of God. And do you notice it's not even my Father. It's our Father. We have the same Father, Mark. Worship team, Sam, we have the same Father. Peace, we're related. And you know what sometimes is harder to forgive? Uh, come, out, come out here, one of you. Sam, come out here. I really love your playing. You are a beautiful guitarist. If someone hurts him as my brother, say they push him over, all right, don't fall over. <laughs> say they hurt him. I've sometimes found it harder to forgive the person on his behalf because this is my brother. Sometimes it's easier to forgive the offense when it's been done to yourself, but when it's been done to your brother or your sister, you think, oh, I want to get him. But the clue is our Father. The same spirit lives in him as it lives in me. The same spirit of adoption that made us sons of God is in us. So it's still possible to forgive even if it's been done to somebody else. I'm going to close with this. Can my friend please bring my illustration? I was looking at the Greek words, because the New Testament's written in Greek, for forgiveness and unforgiveness. And one of the words that's used actually means to, oh no, it's got, it's got tangled. Oh, can you believe it? <laughs> Lord, help me. Because this has got to get untangled. And I can't do it if it doesn't get untangled. Ah, oh. ah, oh, help me, Jesus. If I was by the bank side, it wouldn't matter. But this is a fly rod. And <laughs> my goal... No, I don't need help. I'm a fisherman. <laughs> I got myself into this mess, and I'm going to get myself out of this mess. The, the, the word that is used that I was going to illustrate, oh, all the best plans, is the word literally to cast away. You see, to forgive someone is not pushing it under the carpet. It's not ignoring it, and forgive me, I am not ignoring you. It means to cast away. And if I can get out of this tangled mess, I haven't done it properly. Just talk amongst yourselves. 
What it literally means is to cast off. What I'm going to do, it's probably safer anyway, I'm going to cast it. If I was fishing right now, you know what I would do? I'd pull it back. And the fly or the lure that would be on the end, normally there's a hook on this, so you need to make yourself grateful. <laughs> it would come back to me. And that's what we do. We think, I I'll forgive. But then you bring it back again. You take hold of it again. But it's not for you. It belongs. Cast away. And leave it there. It's not for yours to put me to pull back. Cast it away. Bow your heads, close your eyes. You're in the room right now. You know you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Do you know who the unforgiveness harms? Two people. One is our father because he hates it when his siblings, when his children fall out. He hates it because he's our father. So unforgiveness hurts the heart of God. But unforgiveness poisons your soul. And it will destroy you if you don't forgive. You must forgive them. So I'm going to close praying for you, for, if you're struggling with unforgiveness. Remember, I was, no condemnation. Right now, you know you're struggling with unforgiveness in your heart or so someone. Would you just stand to your feet? Father, you see everyone that's standing. We're your children. We can forgive. And so we pray together. We acknowledge the pain, it's real. But we cast away and we give it away. Not to bring it back in, but to leave it where it belongs, cast into the deepest sea. We forgive them in the name of Jesus. Let that unforgiveness that's in our heart release us. We know we don't have to run back into relationship. We know we don't have to put ourselves back in harm's way. We're not saying any of that. But we forgive and we pray bless them. Prosper them. In Jesus' name. Come Holy Spirit. Do the work that only you can do in our hearts right now. Come. Holy Spirit.
We forgive. We forgive. Let's all of us stand together and worship our great God. Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. If this message has spoken to you today in some way, we would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the c3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the c3.uk forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon.